So this is a uh, talk translated from a um, from a recorded talk. So it's important for us to have wisdom, no matter what we're doing. Um, we use our wisdom. So when we're chanting, we have wisdom with that. Whatever it is, we contemplate in a manner that allows us to let go. Let go of the sense impressions that are coming up, the emotions that we're feeling. So by doing this, we're cultivating wisdom which allows for samadhi to cultivate. And it's right for us to be doing this because if we only develop samadhi and there's no wisdom, then we won't be able to contemplate, we won't be able to gain a deep understanding into things. So these two factors, they depend upon each other. They need each other. So there was one time when Ajahn Tong was with Lumpur Cha. Lumpur Cha got him to attend on him for uh, 15 days straight. And so he was working a lot during these 15 days looking after Lumpur Cha. But his samadhi didn't degenerate. It uh, stayed there. And uh, he thought that it would be difficult doing all that work and also trying to maintain his samadhi, but it was possible, it didn't go away. And uh, I was thinking, well, why is that happening? And this was a teaching that Lumpucha was giving him, and that if you have wisdom, enough wisdom, then it's possible to work and to maintain samadhi as well. And so there was one time we were staying out in Ganchanaburi province in a cave there. Najan Tong stayed there for quite a while. And uh, it was quite a difficult place. And monks who were quite kind of large figures, they wouldn't be able to, to stay there because um, it was a difficult walk getting up to the cave he was staying in. And people would come on boats, paddling boats, to offer food to the monks. It's a very damp forest, a damp cave. And when I stayed there for a bit, there was a very large snake that came into that cave. And it was, it was very big. It looked very similar to a naga but it didn't appear dangerous in any way. And somehow I knew before it came in that something was going to come in. And then the snake came slithering into the cave, and it came very close by, you know, right next to us, but it didn't do anything. We kept my mind still and spread matter to it, and so there isn't really much danger when we can do this. But if we get afraid, then the snake might become afraid as well. It may get a shock. And in that case, it's not sure what would happen. And so this loving kindness is something that is important. But we also need to know how to use that well. There's um, sometimes... The monks have loving-kindness towards the dogs, the stray dogs that 
come into the monastery. And uh, there was one dog that um, came in, and the monks would feel very pitiful for this dog. They'd look into its eyes, and they would just want to feed it. Um, They'd want to look after it. And so this dog, it got a lot of food, and it would follow the monks around and know which monks to, to follow. And it would sometimes even kind of take the food behind the monks' backs. And so it's possible that this dog in its previous existence was a novice that liked to eat noodles after midday. And then when it died, it got, this novice got reborn as a dog. And it's possible because the novice wasn't keeping his sealer very well. And uh, this dog really liked to eat kind of sweets, liked to eat toffee and things like this. And so the monks would feel very compassionate towards this dog. And there was one Western monk in particular who saw it. There was one time that it got bitten and there was pus that was coming out and a fly had got in there and had laid his eggs in the wound. And uh, so this Western monk tried to put some medicine onto the wound uh, but got bitten instead. So after that, the monk said it would be better to kick the dog out of the monastery to to get it to go somewhere else. So when they were trying about or thinking of trying to catch this dog, it just ran away by itself. Somehow it knew what the monks were planning. So sometimes this is what happens that just one dog initially comes into the monastery and the monks feel sorry for it. But I have to think that if we carry on feeding these dogs, then what's going to happen next? Soon there'll be a hundred dogs staying in the monastery. But if uh, we feel sorry and carry on feeling sorry for it and carry on feeding it, then it's natural that you know they get more food and then just by nature they'll reproduce and in no long time they'll fill up the entire monastery. And um, that's what happens. And then we need to think, well, what would that be like? There'll just be dogs running around, biting each other, biting people, barking, and there'll be lots of problems that happen. And there are some monasteries, what, Ratana Wat, for example, where in this one monastery there was just three monkeys initially, and the monks felt very sorry for it. The abbot felt very sorry. And um, so they would feed these monkeys. So in no long time, they went from three monkeys to a hundred monkeys. And they just carried on multiplying. And they thought, well, what should we do now? In the beginning, they had this kindness and compassion for these monkeys. But it didn't take long for them to develop, develop equanimity towards them. And wherever they went in the monastery, they had to take sticks along with them. And if the monkeys came too close, they would hit them. But the monkeys, they're very quick as well. And so they were wondering what they could do. Because if they caught these monkeys and released them somewhere else, then people would think that they didn't have any compassion towards them. And so when it's just a few of them, we need to manage it first, need to solve the problem right there. 
Sankel initially in Wat Nambapong in Ajahn Chah's monastery. His monastery was in the middle, the middle of many different villages. There were 10 different Bindabad routes to different villages that surrounded the monastery. And during the day, the dogs would come into the monastery. And then in those times, the, there wasn't a wall surrounding it. So they would come in and they would bite the squirrels. And so thinking, Lampucha was thinking, well, what should he do? So he got or constructed a wall that went around the monastery to keep the dogs out. And things were a lot easier then. They weren't able to enter in. But for this monastery here, we're on a mountain, so it's not practical to build a wall around here. So it's difficult to prevent the dogs from coming in. And uh, sometimes people come to the monastery and release dogs here. And so if anyone sees that happening, they should find out who it is. And uh, these people, they see that the monks have compassion towards the dogs. There's food to feed them. And so they come and release them in the monastery. And uh, it's similar to what Bung Ratiwan in Ayutthaya, uh, that there are huge numbers of dogs there. And the abbot and the monk, they really look after these dogs well, so they're very fat. And so they, all these dogs, they fill up the monastery, and there are many problems there. The monks from the northeast, they just can't stay on in that monastery because they have issues with the abbot. The abbot has a lot of compassion for the dogs, but he doesn't have so much compassion for the other monks in the monastery. So the monks, they feel like they have to leave. And uh, there was also another monk who was looking after a monkey in his monastery. And he would like to feed this monkey very nice food. So if they got offered ham or fried eggs, then he would oftentimes keep all of this to feed the monkey and he wouldn't let the other monks eat it. Uh, because he said that if the monks eat too much, then they will have problems with their health. So it'd be better to give it to the monkey instead. And so this abbot, um, he loved this monkey and the monkey in turn loved the abbot. But this monkey didn't love the other monks in the monastery. And so sometimes it would bite the monks. And so eventually they had to have a meeting and they got this monkey and uh, released it. And um, for us, there occasionally is a monkey that comes down from the mountain. We have to be cautious of this as well, to not give it any food when it comes down, and to try to scare it off so it doesn't become too familiar with humans. So when I was walking and I saw this monkey, um, I picked up a rock and threw it close by, and the monkey ran off. So if you try to make loud sounds, then it should scare the monkey off. And sometimes these animals, they can be life-threatening as well. There was one layperson who went to Tibet and went into a monastery there, and there were a hundred dogs that came and were barking at this layperson and um, kind of surrounded them. It looked like a very difficult situation, a very dangerous situation. 
And this layperson knew that if he got scared and tried to run away, then the dogs would probably chase after him and bite him and kill him. So he made very loud noises. And um, the dogs, just by their nature, got scared away. So also there's this word na, which can help to ward off animals. And this is what Lumpur Cha taught us. And perhaps he knew what was going to happen. Because after he said this, the next day I was in arms round. And when I was coming back, and it was close to the monastery gate, there were a hundred cows that were walking past the gate. And so I was being very restrained, and I just carried on walking. And in those days, I didn't have so much wisdom. And uh, so it wasn't in time to spread matter to these. I just carried on walking, and the cows carried on going. And uh, then they picked up speed, and it looked like they were going to charge into me. So I shouted this word, na, and the cows got surprised, and their group kind of split up. But there are also some very close calls that monks have to death with animals. That There was one monk who had a lot of faith, a lot of belief in the power of the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. And he really believed that the power of the triple gem would save him from danger. So he was on arms round one day, and there was a huge group of elephants. And uh, he just walked right into them. He thought that, well, if I die, then I die. And he just was walking and recollecting the Buddha. And these elephants, they split up. Their group, their pack, uh, broke up. And uh, afterwards, these elephants were confused. Well, why did we split up just due to this one small monk? But sometimes even when a car comes, we don't run away, we don't uh, split up. And so um, they decided that if the monk came the next day, they wouldn't break apart like that. And so um, things can be dangerous in this way. And in Lopuri province, um, there was one monastery where monkeys would come in. And the monks sometimes would give food to the monkeys. So I got quite familiar with the monks. And then eventually it started coming up and, um, and it would take food from the monks' bowls. And then eventually it would, uh, sorry, take food from the monks' bowl lids. And then after that, it's the monkeys started taking food right out of their bowls. And then next, they just stole the monks' bowls and ran off with their bowls. So monkeys can be quite incredible in this way. So we need to be cautious. We shouldn't feed them. Because if we do, they may, there may be a lot of them that come. And they can be very quick. And so these animals, they're really not sure. And if they get surprised, um, then they can be quite dangerous. And so there was one monk who was uh, who got killed by an elephant, and uh, he was quite close to an elephant, spreading metta to it, because it had come up to the monk. And one of the monk's lay disciples saw this and wanted his teacher to 
be famous. So the lay disciple got out his camera and took a photo of the elephant right in front of this monk. Uh, But the flash on the camera went off and the elephant got a shock and it killed both the monk and the lay disciple. So we do need to be cautious. But sometimes there are also people who have certain kind of occult knowledges, abilities, which can save them from danger. And there was one hunter who would go into the forest, deep into the jungles, and he had this ability to be able to ride on tigers. Uh, that when he would, before he would go to sleep at night, he would call the tiger to be close to him, to be his friend. And so he wouldn't have to be afraid at all. And he uh, developed the ability to be able to ride on tigers' backs. And when he, because he was a hunter, so he would kill animals. And so when he did, when he caught an animal, then he would share his gains with the tiger as well. But he needed to find a young tiger to do this, because the old tigers, they wouldn't be able to, their, their backs weren't strong enough for this. And so it is possible for people to develop kind of occult knowledges or abilities like this. And just like how there are some people in the world who raise tigers, they look after tigers, and so they have this kind of kamma with them, and it brings this result. And so for us, we should be mindful and, uh, and kind of have a sense of what it is that we're doing. Just like how if there's a dog and it looks dangerous, but it's not barking, then it really is dangerous. But sometimes they kind of run around behind you, but they don't bark at you. And those are the dogs that probably will bite. And uh, there was one time when, at this monastery, that we were kind of looking for arms around roots. And there was one place we came across, a house within an orchard, and the gate was open, so we went in. And they had this very big Alsatian, and the Alsatian came running up, barking at us. But it it was barking at us, and um, I just carried on walking towards it. And this dog was surprised, why aren't these people afraid of me? So we carried on walking, and it carried on barking and retreating. And we just stayed on like this until uh, we got to the owner of the house. And the owner was very confused as to why this dog hadn't bitten us, because usually it bites anyone that comes into the property and really kind of makes a mess out of them. And so I responded that I was spreading matter to the dog. And uh, there's an orchard around here where the monks used to go on arms around too, and many monks got bitten by the dogs there. And the owners of the orchards, they do need to raise dogs like this because it's quite often the people come in at night to steal the fruit, to steal the durians or the mangosteens in the orchard. And um, so they raise the dogs to be quite fierce. So I need to be cautious and aware. uh, Just like how when elephants are flapping their ears, then they're very dangerous. And that means that they'll probably charge.
And um, there are some monks as well that if they start flapping their ears, then they're very dangerous too. And uh, so we need to to be cautious. And there was one monk who, one person who ordained here, he was uh, the head of a company in Japan. And he took ordination here and, and kind of had to look at his ears to kind of see how dangerous he was, how angry he was. And he had quite firm views that he really stuck to. But it's also not sure. Sometimes if people have strong views but their conceit isn't so strong, then they'll be able to progress in their meditation as well. <laughs> 